I'm Kate Katz, owner and founder of All Hands In, a soft skills development company, and welcome to The Practiced Art of Kicking Ass. Well, hey, hey, kickassers, and welcome back to another episode of The Practiced Art of Kicking Ass. I'm your host, Kate Katz. In today's episode, I am going to be talking about the current soft skills theme that we're focusing on over at All Hands In. And that theme is being reflected in our social media right now. It's what I'm speaking about when I'm engaging in any virtual platform currently. And that is the soft skill of trust. I consider trust to be a soft skill for multiple reasons, but I think the main reason is because, number one, it is a practicable skill that we can improve and develop over time. And also, this skill really has much broader implications for defining how we interact with one another, how we lead, how we collaborate, how we show up in our communities, and most importantly, probably how we show up for ourselves. Trust really, for me, I noticed that when I began turning this into part of my soft skills practice, I immediately had to recognize how much shifted because I hadn't really been operating from a place of trust prior to that. And I think the biggest surprise in this, I think the larger awareness that I discovered from this was that I hadn't been operating from a place of trusting myself. And that was really what was inherently sort of bleeding out into so many of my interactions with others. That when I was in a deficit of trusting myself, it really showed up in not being able to trust others and also even at times not being trustworthy, not being worthy of earning someone else's trust. And I can talk a little bit more about that. But first, I kind of want to talk about what trust looks like and why it's important. When we are talking about any relationship, whether it's a personal relationship, a professional relationship, or even the relationships with ourselves, the healthy, successful metrics of that relationship consistently hinge around trust. When trust is present, when trust is secure, when we can feel trust, we tend to feel more settled in our authenticity. We tend to have greater connection, greater belonging. We tend to be more forgiving when we know that trust is there. We tend to reach for compassion more readily. And we also notice that when we are working with leaders where trust is strong and goes in both directions, loyalty tends to increase, our ability to come together and collaborate tends to increase, 
we tend to be able to create more successful, safe environments when trust exists. And so if we are talking about creating work organizations or family organizations or even the relationships with ourselves, understanding trust and being able to put it in practice really becomes necessary if we want to create relationships that are able to thrive and able to feel holistically successful. Building trust is not easy. And there are many reasons why. We have a really misguided narrative that's very strongly linked to our culture. And I could talk a lot about that. But in summary, we as Americans tend to really lean into this notion of individualism. We have kind of quantified success stories as an individual rises above the fray, the concept of bootstrapping, pulling yourself up, getting yourself back on your feet. And in many ways, I mean, I think that there's a lot of toxicity around that messaging in in multiple directions. But when we look at it through the lens of trust, I think that this messaging also has a really strong correlation with not needing to value trust. If you are alone, right? If you are this rogue operator who only needs to depend on themselves, you're not really prioritizing building relationships. You're not really prioritizing asking for help or acknowledging help when you receive it or extending help to others. And I have to say that when we're operating from that perspective, when we're when we're operating with this really misguided notion that success really is individual, right? And the, and success stories don't really need to acknowledge the community effort that is always involved in every story. The real disservice that comes from believing this false narrative is that it erodes our connection with ourselves and with each other. And what is facilitating that erosion, right? What's leading to that breakdown in these relationships is a lack of trust. It's a lack of feeling like if I'm helping you in your journey of success, but my guidance or assistance isn't even acknowledged in part of your story, it it not only erodes my ability to trust you, but it erodes my ability to help the next person that comes along. And internally what's happening is it erodes my ability to trust myself that putting myself out there, making myself vulnerable, putting myself in a position of service is going to ultimately be beneficial. If I'm in the position of helping and that assistance isn't even acknowledged, there are larger fissures that get created from that breakdown. And they are all connected to trust. So when I'm talking about trust today, I've talked a little bit about why it's important. It really is at the backbone of strengthening our relationships, strengthening our community, strengthening our sense of belonging. And these are all part of what makes our humanity so unique and so special. So if those things are falling apart, the disservice that comes from that is less hope, less optimism, more isolation. And you can you can see the consequences of that pretty readily in, in a lot of the ways that our current culture is is functioning. People feeling isolated, feeling disconnected from one another. And the consequences of that when we look at American culture are pretty severe. Learning how to build trust, again, like 
the reason why I'm talking about this for this episode with the practiced art of kicking ass is because this is a skill that we can practice. This is a skill that we can apply and get better at over time. And when we understand the mechanisms of trust, when we understand the importance of trust, we can start prioritizing it and infusing it in our relationships. And then the benefits that come from that are that we actually have more connection. We have a greater sense of belonging. We notice that our relationships tend to improve. And getting to that place takes work. Getting to that place definitely (laughs) requires a practice. So one of the resources that I'm going to be linking to in the show notes is an article that I found on positive psychology. And it really beautifully talked about the importance of trust, but not only the importance of trust, the elements that can really help us build trust if we are looking to strengthen our relationships, particularly if we are in a position of leadership, if we are in a position of authority, if, you know, and that doesn't just mean for an organization or for a corporation. This can be within our own homes. Family unit, that's that's a team environment. And trust is definitely necessary in that space. So I just kind of want to go down this list of elements, behaviors, choices, that really help to facilitate and build trust. And I'm going to break a couple of these down, make a couple of these more tangible. And I, I got to be honest, when I looked at this list, I could see that there were clearly some areas on this list that were deeply uncomfortable and that I am working on getting better at. But what I noticed is in the areas that I feel like, oh God, that's deficient right now. I can also see the, how my relationships connected to this area could be improved with practice, right? Or that I'm currently having some struggles in a couple of different places, which are connected to some of the areas that I have some deficiency in. And again, like going back to the theme of this podcast, going back to the theme of the work that I do with All Hands In, this is not about getting it perfect. This is not about perfect, y'all. This is just about showing up every day and coming to the table in the best of our ability because that, after all, is kicking ass. So the list that Positive Psychology talked about, which I found to be really super helpful, and again, that'll be linked in the show notes, talks about the behaviors that we can put into regular practice to build trust. The first one that I want to talk about, which I think is really critical, and I talk about this when it's its own soft skill theme, it is a soft skill in and of itself, is this notion of being accountable. And accountability can really be tough. Accountability can require a lot from us if we are not used to working in collaborative settings, if we are not used to being vulnerable, and if we are not used to having trusting relationships. Accountability, when we start to put that into practice, can feel painful even. What accountability looks like, particularly when you are trying to build trust, is being true to your word. If you are an emerging leader or you are a a well-seasoned leader, on a team. Accountability looks like being true to your word. If you have a conversation with your team about achieving X, Y, and Z, and the role that you are going to play in helping your team achieve X, Y, and Z, making sure that you walk that walk with them making sure that you live up to those expectations is really critical and really necessary for building 
the trust of your team. Another way that accountability can look when it's a practice to help you build trust is being able to own your mistakes. And this is definitely an area that I have struggled with. It's taken me a long time to sort of step out of, oh my God, this needs to be perfect. Oh my God, I can't admit fault. Oh my God, if I screw that up, what I can't let them know that it's screwed up. I just, I, I need to sweep it under the rug. When I was starting off my career, one of the things that shifted how team managers saw me was that I, I screwed up a lot when I was younger. You know, I was young, I was starting out my career, I was building my skills, and mistakes are made. Mistakes are a natural part of the process. But when you are young and when you don't have a lot of experience, you don't know that. You think that everyone around you is doing everything perfectly. And that if you aren't doing everything perfectly, you're going to be out of a job. And the truth is, and I and I had to learn this just by walking the walk, it's not about doing it perfectly, but it is about owning when you make a mistake. And for me, the leaders that have had the largest positive impact in my career were the same leaders that I went to when I screwed up and I said to them, I didn't get this right. I didn't do this the right way. Those were the leaders that gave me a second chance and gave me an opportunity to try again. That was what the trust was. That was the building trust because the leaders that I went to and I acknowledged and I owned up to when I made mistakes, they knew that if I was on a project and something didn't go right, I would catch it and I would work to fix it versus turn my back on it, which is so it's that is such a detrimental choice to make because it costs the project in the end, even if you never get linked to that, even if it's never like, oh, you walked away. And that's why this got screwed up. The fact that it creates ripples of damage down the road is all that needs to happen. But when you stand up and you're the one saying, I didn't get this right, I need to bring this to your attention so we can fix it, that is definitely going to impact any leader on any team more significantly in recognizing that they can trust you to be accountable and to be honest. The other thing that really builds trust that becomes really critical is effective communication. And again, this is a soft skill. Having clarity in being able to communicate your ideas, know that you were understood, and that you were heard by any individual or team that you're communicating with, and knowing that as a group, you are all on the same page, that builds trust. That is a skill where everyone involved in that exchange has clarity and feels safe in communicating. And that's critical for any team environment. Another aspect to building trust is recognizing that trust is not something that you can just develop overnight, especially if you're in a relationship where trust has been broken or there's a strong lack of trust within the environment, within the culture. Understanding that trust needs to be built gradually because it's two-way street. It's not just about you saying, okay, I'm trustworthy now. You have another party that needs to feel safe trusting you. And really, the best way to build trust is doing it slowly and doing it consistently over time. And that can really be difficult. I mean, I'm a very impatient person. It took me a long time to realize that trust particularly when it comes between two humans, can easily be broken and it takes twice if not three times or four times as long to get rebuilt. It takes patience. It takes grace. It takes coming back to the table over and over and over again. And it's a daily practice of small actions and commitments. What's really vulnerable about this aspect of building trust is that you have to be the one to kind of put it out there 
in order to get it back. If your goal is to build trust within your team, you are the one that has to show up and be vulnerable and extend trust in order to get it back. Another aspect of building trust that I find really valuable and really helpful is the ability to be discerning. Again, building trust, when I look at this list, this list is all soft skills. It's all other soft skills that you can put into practice, that you can develop over time, that you can work on and flex your muscles with. Discernment is definitely a soft skill. And it's a really good one to have. You know, if, if you're becoming more discerning, if you're working on, on building your discernment, you're also simultaneously going to see increased trust as an output and vice versa. Right. If you are working on building trust and you're putting that into daily practice, you may end up noticing that one of the side effects is that you have to become more discerning. Having awareness around where you are making commitments. And also, and I found this really fascinating and a really helpful piece of advice in general, making commitments that you are happy to make. Now, that does not mean that the commitment is going to be easy or that the commitment is only going to ever be a feel-good thing. But it's understanding, and again, this comes down to discernment. It comes down to the knowing. When I make a commitment now, if I have like a visceral gut no reaction, like everything in my core is saying, you cannot do this, right? Which is different than fear. And this is where awareness really becomes helpful in terms of being able to have clarity on all of these things. A gut no reaction feels very different than, I don't know, I don't know. A gut no reaction is, this is going to pull me out of alignment of who I am. This is not going to bring me happiness. This is not going to bring me joy. I am not going to be able to be in alignment if I say yes to this, right? That to me is the gut no reaction. So that becomes sort of my discerning level when I'm making decisions. If it is not a decision that I am internally happy with making, I cannot make that commitment. I also have to have awareness of how many other commitments I have already agreed to. So I'm constantly checking in with myself before I'm saying yes. This is an aspect of being discerning. And what you will notice is that when you are doing this, you are actually increasing self-trust. And when you are increasing self-trust, it boosts your confidence. It, it increases your ability to honor your commitments. And then you are by default increasing trust with others. Another really beneficial way of building trust is consistency. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. What I have noticed, particularly when I am leading teams or when I'm working with individuals who may feel uncertain or where they don't know me and they need to get to know me, having consistency in how I show up, how I celebrate somebody, how I extend compassion, how I extend patience, how I show up with awareness, being consistent in all these things allows other men members, other team members, other family members to trust that I'm going to continue to show up that way. So it's really important. Consistency is a really key element to building trust. Another thing that I found really fascinating and, and was a great reminder is participating openly, especially if you're in a team environment. I think for many leaders, when they are first stepping into that role, there's a lot going on right? Especially if, if you're in a management position. And often individuals who want to be in positions of leadership 
make a really strong decision and I get where it's coming from, but I don't think they they realize how this plays out. For many new and emerging leaders, there's sort of this very natural reaction of I need to, I'm in leadership now, so I need to show that I'm in leadership. And they sort of withdraw from participating. They want to sort of establish this hierarchy of I'm in leadership, so I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to divulge or I don't need to participate. I can sit in this leadership role and just sort of dictate. That's actually really counterproductive to building trust. When, especially when we're in team environments, leaders who jump in are demonstrating vulnerability. They're demonstrating taking a risk. When leaders share ideas, when leaders are engaged in meetings and help to support their colleagues or listen to the ideas that their colleagues have and support those ideas, when leaders are actively engaged in the process and not just saying, it's your job to fix this. You tell me when it's done. Team members who work under leaders who can openly participate have much stronger trusts with those leaders. They have much more success in working together. And it's a key element. It's a key element to successful and productive collaborative environments. The other thing about this aspect is that it also builds respect. Teams who have leaders who openly participate tend to respect those leaders more and tend to have more successful collaborative relationships with those leaders. So don't overlook the ability to participate openly as a way to build trust in any environment. This one, this next one may seem really obvious, but I think it's an important one to highlight and sort of talk about, which is trust hinges on honesty. No matter what the circumstances, lying always diminishes trust. And this goes for the little white lies of, yes, that looks good on you when you don't think that it does, to the big lies of, yeah, your money is safe with us, <laughs> right? Walking in honesty is really the best way to build trust. And I don't know if there's anything more that I can really say to that. If trust has been eroded, you have to earn that back through consistent, honest behaviors. Applying these practices to ourselves is also completely inherent to building self-trust. And the aspect of being honest is it's the same thing. When we are lying to ourselves, we are eroding our ability to trust ourselves. So having a gentle awareness around how we are honest with ourselves or at least having awareness of when we're lying to ourselves can shift a lot in terms of building our self-trust and improving our relationship with ourselves. This one is one of my favorites, and I really want to be clear about this. A practice that builds trust. Studies that have been conducted on building trust have noticed that individuals who practice authentic acts of kindness tend to build more trusting relationships than individuals who do not do this. Now, what do I mean by authentic acts of kindness? An authentic act of kindness is something that you do when you're not expecting any return. And this could be something as simple as seeing someone in need and offering to help. Not from a self-aggrandizing position, not from a place of, oh, I'm helping you because I'm so great, but just a general awareness of, hey, 
I see you in this moment of struggle and I'm just I just want to offer you some support because I do see you. Individuals who do those mo- and that doesn't need to be anything great. You don't need it doesn't need to be a Superman moment, right? It's simply like you could be on the subway and you could see somebody who s- is sad and just offering them a kind word if somebody is struggling to, you know, just even even day to day. An individual who's struggling to cross the street, just offering them, just giving them some assistance of, hey, can I can I just help you across this intersection? Do you need a hand? Those moments, even with a stranger, do more to build the collective belief in trust. It does more to build the community fabric of trust. The authentic act of kindness is really looking at an individual in an individual situation and stepping up to help in that particular moment. Building trust also happens when we are vulnerable and this is tough. This one this one has taken me a very long time to get used to because vulnerability still is deeply unsettling and deeply uncomfortable when I am in it. When I'm through it, I'm grateful that I was vulnerable. But the initial feelings for me with vulnerability are ones I don't like. I don't like being vulnerable. I feel open. I feel exposed. I feel raw. And it's taken me a lot of practice to sit in that discomfort and be in that space. And the reason why I've turned that into such a practice is because the benefits of being vulnerable are that in the relationships where my vulnerability has been met with compassion, trust is the immediate output from that. And now that I am able to walk in vulnerability, and now that I have relationships around me where I know who can hold space for my vulnerability, I have such a stronger community that's founded in trust around me. And that really becomes critical, particularly when I'm in a leadership position. And this kind of also doubles back over to what we were talking about earlier about being able to participate openly. View, you know, it, it would be really helpful to view your vulnerability practice as, okay, I'm, I'm going to, we got a group meeting today. I'm definitely going to be participating in that. And that's might make me vulnerable. I might feel vulnerable in those moments, but that's a two for one. I can be vulnerable and I can participate openly. And let's see how much trust ends up being the output from all of that. A really wonderful way to build trust, which, you know, this may be where I started. If I look back over my own practice and my own journey, I think this was where I was most comfortable beginning. And that's because I tend to have a natural cheerleading tendency. But this one was to build up others over myself. When we are acknowledging or appreciating or giving attribution to colleagues, for their hard work or their achievements, we are shining the spotlight on somebody and they can trust that they are going to be seen and heard and valued by us. And again, that goes a really long way towards strengthening that relationship. But when we fail to demonstrate the awareness of others or we come across as self-aggrandizing or self-promoting, particularly if it's at the expense of others, we're creating a real chasm with trust. And it's less likely that teammates are going to feel that their efforts are going to be seen or heard or valued by you. And particularly if we are in leadership positions and we're failing to acknowledge the efforts of others, that comes at a real cost in our relationships with the colleagues that we're, that we're leading. And we need that to be a really trusting relationship. When we are living in our values, which is really hard to do, 
that's a whole nother episode. But when we're living in our values, having the clarity in our values and practicing staying in alignment with our values not only builds trust, but it also increases respect. And even just sitting in the discomfort of disappointing someone when we can't people please, when we can't um, abdicate our values, when we stand in our truth and say, I would like to do that. However, I'm unable to do that because of X, Y, and Z. That in and of itself is a trust builder, even though we we may be declining an offer. So staying true in our values, walking the walk of staying true in our values is also a really courageous way of building trust with others as well as with ourselves. I think the big thing that I have noticed in my time with building trust is that it's not just about improving our relationships and creating a more holistic heart-centered culture, but there have also been studies conducted on trust that have shown that trust, when, when we are operating from places of high trust, when we are building trust with others, when we are demonstrating and practicing behaviors that build trust, it goes a long way to helping us rewire many aspects of our brains and overcoming fears, overcoming anxieties, building courage. This is the area that um, with neuroscience when, we, when we're talking about brain plasticity. When we're engaged in practices that help build trust, we're actually increasing elements of brain plasticity as well. And I think that that's fascinating, right? That just in working on this aspect of building trusting behaviors, we can also be rewiring and benefiting our own brains. And, you know, based on the list that we have just talked about, like there are so many other soft skills that benefit from this one aspect. So if you are in a position of leadership or if you have relationships in your current life right now where it feels like trust is being diminished or that you may have contributed to trust diminishing. I think what's important to know from today's episode is that number one, this is a skill that you can practice and develop and improve over time, but that also as you practice and develop this skill, as you begin to walk in the walk of building trust, you're gonna see a lot of things shift and you may be surprised at how that is reflected back to you in your relationships and that includes the relationships that you have with yourself. And if you're somebody who's currently struggling with trust right now. Or you're in a relationship maybe where you participated in, in eroding trust or breaking down trust, and you're curious about increasing trust. You're curious about what you can do to get to the other side of that. I would love to hear from you. And if you have a story related to trust, I would love to hear from you. So think about trust today, kickassers, and think about how you are building trust, starting with yourself and applying some of the things on this list and put these practices, you know, put, grab three of these practices, right? Grab, th grab three things from this list and try these out for a week or two. And at the end of the second week, notice, notice what shifts may have been occurring. I think you'll be surprised. And if you are somebody who is working on building trust right now, it is, it's not easy. It's not an easy practice. But also please remember, if you are doing the hard things right now, like working on your soft skills, and particularly working on building your soft skill of trust, please know that that is kicking ass. And I see you. And you got this. You've been listening to The Practice Art of Kicking Ass. I'm your host, Kate Katz. Our theme music is Let Me Groove by Music Unlimited. And if you're curious to learn more about the soft skill training and education I do with my company, All Hands In, check out our website at allhandsinworkshops.com or 
Connect with our online communities on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for All Hands In. Remember, kickassers, kicking ass is a practice, not a perfect. You got this, kickassers. assers